Hello everyone, welcome to Parashat Mishpatim. In 1968, two students at the University of California at Berkeley started dating. But like all good love stories, there was some drama. After some time, the girl named Tatiana Tarasov revealed that she had been unfaithful to her boyfriend and she entered the relationship with him shortly thereafter. The boyfriend's mental health started declining rapidly and he entered therapy with a psychiatrist at the university. At some point during therapy, he revealed his plan to murder Tatiana Tarasov, going step by step in how he would do it. The psychiatrist, of course, notified the university police, but he failed to notify Tatiana Tarasov out of respect, of course, for doctor-patient confidentiality. And the boyfriend, soon thereafter, after being released by the police, proceeded to murder Tarasov exactly as he had planned. The Supreme Court, shortly thereafter, passed a law called the Tarasov Law, obligating all psychiatrists with the duty to warn anyone who was revealed to be in danger. Now, personally, I'm not such a big fan of law, but I think law is a lot more interesting when it comes with a story. We've reached the point in our weekly Torah readings where, up until now, we've had epic stories one after another week after week. But this is the parasha where most of us start to quickly lose interest. Story time is over, it seems. Time for law school. But what if these laws are a lot more than meets the eye? What if they're similar to the Tarasov law? What if they are really a commentary on some of the stories from Sefer Bereshit? Already from the very beginning of the parasha, we start to notice some pretty clear references. So let's begin. The first law of Parashat Mishpatim, right after we leave Egypt. This is the first law we're receiving. Other than the Ten Commandments. Ki ivri. If you should buy a Hebrew slave. Of course, who do we know? The only time in the whole Torah that somebody is referred to as Eved Ivri is who? Yosef. When Eshet Potiphar, her first time she calls, she says, Ba'elaiha Eved Ivri. You say, okay, interesting. We're getting a little bit of a Yosef flavor. You skip a few pesukim, you hear some laws about opening up a pit and an ox falling in. This is amazing. The only other time in the whole Torah that we hear about a board or about a pit is, again, by Yosef. And this ox falling in. Isn't it interesting? Yosef, later in the Torah, during his blessing from Moshe, is called Bechor Shoro. He's called the eldest is his, his ox. So this ox may be a hint actually to Yosef himself. And of course, the brothers throwing him into the pit. And furthermore, Shimon and Levi, during their curse from Yaakov, are told, in their deep passion, they hurt an ox. And of course, Rashi says this is referring to Yosef, again, who is the short, he's the quintessential ox. Okay, continue. It says in the Pasuk, If this ox should die or be hurt or be taken captive. Interesting, these are possibilities maybe of what people could have thought happened to Yosef when he went missing. And then it says, Im ganov ganev, or Im tarof yitaref. First, we have the double lashon, the double language of being stolen, which is interesting because Yosef, when he gets to Egypt, he says, gunov gunavti. He says a double language of being stolen. And then this tarof yitaref, this double language of being injured, of course, what was Yaakov's reaction to Yosef being missing, Tarof, Toraf, Yosef, he has surely been devoured. So 
One after another, we're hearing references to Yosef Asadik. Continue further. If you encounter the ox of your enemy who is lost on its path, please return him to your enemy. And of course, that word ta'eh, being lost on its path, is exactly the situation for Yosef right before the brothers sold him. It says, So I could go on and on, but I'll settle for one more example that I think really captures our point. So later on in the parasha, we have a series of three laws. The first and the third, of course, are related. They're both about your parents. But the one in the middle seems to have nothing to do with the other two. What are these laws? It says, Somebody who hits their parents gets the death penalty. The third one, If you curse out your parents, you get the death penalty. What's the middle one? Seemingly out of nowhere. If you kidnap somebody, and you sell him, presumably into slavery, then, of course, you get the death penalty. So for some reason, smack dab in the middle of these laws about your parents is a law about kidnapping and being sold into slavery. It should sound familiar to you from the Yosef story, but let's see what we think of this. You skip a few pesukim, you go a little bit later. Now we hear about two men fighting, and one of the men accidentally hits a pregnant woman, and she has a miscarriage. And if the, the children are, you know, the, the, mis, the, the fetus is expelled from the woman and it's clear that she had a miscarriage, then you need to pay a certain amount to the woman. But then it says, Im ason If there is a tragedy and the woman dies, nefesh tahat nafesh, then you should give a life for a life. And the hachamim, of course, interpret this also monetarily. But the literal, literal definition is a soul for a soul. So what's so interesting about this? That word ason only appears one other time in the Torah. Again, guess where? By the Yosef story. When Yaakov is hesitant to send down Benjamin, to send down Benjamin to Egypt. He says, V'karahu ason. What if a tragedy should befall him? And that was Yehuda's, part of Yehuda's speech to Yosef. Where he says, V'nafsho keshura v'nafsho. Reminding us of maybe this nefesh, tahad nefesh, that their souls are intertwined. And there's even more examples within this very parashia of connections. But the point here that I want to make is, we could go back and say, well, why during those laws about your parents did you have this thing inserted about selling somebody into slavery after kidnapping them? It seems this is what the brothers really wanted to do. Maybe they wanted to hit their parents. Maybe they wanted to curse, God forbid, Yaakov. Because of his favoritism of Yosef. But what did they do? They displaced those intolerable feelings onto Yosef. And they hated Yosef, even though their real emotion was maybe anger or sadness towards Yaakov. So their hatred was displaced towards their brother Yosef. And that's why in the middle of two two laws about a parent, we have this law reminding us of what they did to Yosef. So after all this, I hope you're convinced that this isn't just some arbitrary set of laws that we have here in Mishpatim. After all, you could never build a society just from these laws alone. It's not an extensive law code. So why is the Torah so selective of these particular laws? I think this law code is a direct response and a commentary to history. The very history of how we became a nation. And I think it's happening at the perfect time. I don't think it's a coincidence that the first laws that we receive after leaving Egypt as slaves are laws about slavery. This is when we are most ripe 
to receive these laws. So just like the Tarasov law, the Torah is urging us not only to learn from history, not only to learn history, but to make history sacrosanct and to encode it into law. Thank you very much and Shavuot Tov.